Boys, we're back, episode number two. How are we feeling? How's your game week been? Mine's been mixed, actually. I've had um, some good results, some bad, but I think that the news of Boscagli's injury coming through a bit late, I think uh, initially it looked like he, he thought he was going to be all right, but that's it's looking like surgery in a long time out now, so that kind of wiped out my uh, what, what was looking like a good start to my all-star rare. But um, I'm gonna I'm probably going to hit... Um, the point two threshold if Malasia starts, so I'll take that um, and just wait and see now if I'm lucky enough to uh, to have any um, any any really good hits on on the other the other ones on the I think my All Star Rare Pro got a couple of PSV players in there hoping to hit big so fingers crossed really brilliant what about you Quinny how do you get on are you get a team point just now or yeah I've got I've got Leipzig playing the now they're winning one nil at half time none of my guys are involved in the goal unfortunately but, but I've got a little mini stack running and you know I had all black and goals last night um, with a clean sheet which is very unlike him but he got one and so you never know it might, it might come off lucky this time I think all black's probably one of the most underpriced goalkeepers he's a top five goalkeeper but he's not getting he's not getting clean sheets he's not getting decisives and I had Ter Stegen I just sold him today just a limited oh, wow. card because I seen how undervalued he was Two Europa League games ago, I took the profit, bought him again when he dropped, and then if they go out tonight, he'll be undervalued again, so I would just pick him up. I just think everybody in Europe is volatile now, but if you're still in the European competitions, your price is decent. It's mad. It's a mad way the game works, but no, it's good. We're we're all in it. I've uh, I've actually got a few Barca players playing tonight, mixed with a couple of Atlas players. Nice. I had Piquet to make it a four-man stack. We obviously I would have made one more, but obviously his injury he ruled him out. So I've got Frankie de Jong, Ter Stegen, and Dembele mixed with a couple of boys for Atlas. So I checked. I actually checked today, hope to see what number one in the world was. But I think it's fair to say after seeing Stish's tweet, <laughs> you're not winning the you're not winning a podium this week unless you've got is it River Plate? River Plate, yeah. The stacks were. Absolutely insane! I couldn't believe the scores I was seeing. Like, there's, there's about 20 teams over 420 points. They've all got like at least three River Plate players in them. One of them, well, you mentioned there. I think like in second place as it stands, didn't even have a fifth player. It was just four of them, but they all hit over 100. Insane! Incredible. I think one of those defenders as well. I was talking to Harry Trades earlier on, and he was saying that um, one of the defenders who finished on a 70 for River Plate also had a goal line clearance that he wasn't credited with. <laughs> so, so they're going to get bigger them scores there might be some alter adjustments can't be too greedy i seen the goalkeeper get a get a 90 something I think it was that was big the guy who won it lowest player was an 88 Benedetto that's Man. scary I was looking numbers. at Benedetto a few weeks ago when uh, I thought I'd seen the news a little bit early and then I went onto the market to see what his price was saying and I thought oh, I think everyone sussed it but then I looked a few days later and his price had gone massively up since. So I think I should have pulled the trigger on that one. But um, he looks he looks a good buy if anyone picked Benedetto up. Good player, good player. And what about the the legends? What do you think of that? Obviously this week's been the first introduction, but there wasn't many prizes, was there? No, I think it was at 25 in the limiteds. And I did have a little look at the results to see like, you know, what was possible. And um, I noticed that I think out of the 25 in the limited uh, legends only one team in the top 25 didn't have three legends played so 
when we were talking last week about maybe picking one up, I don't think picking one up is going to be enough. I think you're going to need at least three. So I'm not sure how likely I am to be picking any up. I mean, if they if they ever get given away as rewards in, in the non-legend divisions, then maybe I'll have a look at it then if I'm lucky enough to like win one. But I don't think I'm likely to pick one up at, at um, the, the current state of affairs. Um, another thing I was surprised about actually was I was expecting to see more of like the double ups. I thought, you know, if you've got a Tadic and a Cruyff or if you've got a, a Veerman and a Hullet, then you might use both of them in the same team and hope that like you you kind of double like double down on, on, on a good call. And I think I only saw a few of that in that maybe the top 50, but in the top, the top sort of winning positions, there was maybe only one or two that I noticed, I think had a Tadic or a Sangare or um, there was another one, I think it was a defender that was used quite a bit. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I wasn't too surprised by the results. I think I'm glad I didn't pick that one legend up I was tempted by this time last week. What about you, Quinny? What, what do you think of the legends things? I've seen the prices are low if they were utility in normal leagues they would have probably been three four five times what do you think about it what do you think it's worthwhile entering do you think the rewards are well after enough? last week i'm i'm not thinking so i had rio hitati in the limited since obviously you know he's a defender card so he brought in 90 i had david silva as well who brought in 88 which i was a wee bit surprised about but then i was like oh cool i must be in the mix this week like these are legend scores that my, mm. that my normies have brought in, you know. <laughs> but um, I was 360 points, basically, and I finished 485th. Wow. With 300 and basically 60 points, you know. So it's just, man, it was 25 for rewards, which are just legend cards. And then the pro one, I think it was just the podium, eh? but it was like some signed shirts and stuff, which is kind of cool. And maybe they'll make that better. But, like, at limited, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, it's a different I had two one. legends, by the way. It's a difficult one if you're hitting 360 and not even anywhere close to the rewards and it's not as if you're getting Mbappes, Haaland's, you're probably better, even obviously if. I'm just speaking for myself, you're probably better just investing in an under 23 squad and, and hoping that does the business because there's probably a better chance of getting your money back. I, I believe the legends are more for the collectible rather than the utility. Yeah. I just, I would love... And I po- probably will buy a David Villa. A wee soft spot for David Villa. I'll probably buy one of him because he's cheap. Just for the collectability, not even to use him for the utility. Yeah, I'm a bit like that with, with uh, Hullet. When I saw Hullet announced, I thought, that's a banging car. It looks nice as well, the Hullet one, if you like. The look of the design's a little bit different. I quite like the look of it. But um, yeah, in terms of utility, I, f- I agree. I think uh, it's probably not going to be it's not going to be good enough at the moment. And the fact that like you're only winning a legend card. So like you're kind of like you're, you're buying one to win pretty much the same as something you've already bought. It's like, I'm not tempted. It's not tempting me in enough just yet. Yeah. Imagine, imagine you, you finish 10th or something. You've got an amazing score and then you get a David Villa that's worth 0.03 or 0.04. Yeah. You're, you're gutted. You're not even, you're doing exactly. your hardest to get in a, it's the hardest one to break in. in. Pointless, but no. I, there's quite a lot of entries in it as well. So I wonder I wonder one thing about it is like how much people may have targeted it that first week. Maybe it took a few of the big cards out of the All-Star, the U23, the Challenger, 
limited. Um, I haven't I haven't had a proper. There was Messi's and stuff in the winning teams. So yeah. Like right so I wonder how much of an impact it had. You know, at limited level, when the when the supply is so high, I don't know how much of an impact it can really have because it might only take out fifteen to thirty like really strong teams as opposed to like in rare. Fifth, taking like 15 messies out of the pool would be a big a, a massive I, I, I'm with you but I agree I think the I think I got like maybe 400 points in my champion Europe limited and I think I got the same the week before I can't remember but I got a better prize this week a tier tier 1 whereas last week was a tier 2 so maybe it has got mm. an impact maybe it's a small one but maybe it's it's a lot easier to I felt anyway this week the prizes were more justified for the points you get. Not that I'm being negative or complaining, because I love the the idea that you can win any prizes. Even when I get a tier three limited, I'm buzzing. But I did feel that this week was a bit more fruitful than the previous week. Yeah, I did notice actually that the underdog uh, pro, so like the the rare cards version, the winner of that got an Mbappe. So. You know, that. if you can win an Mbappe with cards that have got the like forty average across the last fifteen, that's that is that is good, right? That makes me look. It, at there's that a lot of research to go on as well in terms of people were sending me. I was asking on Twitter, and people were looking and seeing like Jesus Navas and mm. who's not really played well, and so you could actually get a lot of a lot of joy out researching and and getting your your rewards out. It man, when you look at that Mbappe, you just think like if you. If you hit, if your research hit on the right weekend to win an Mbappe rare, that is like as good as it gets, really, isn't it? On the platform, that's your gallery. That's your gallery. Yeah, got a large boost, a very large boost. But no, <laughs> uh, talking about other youngsters, what about the news of Van der Vaart to Leipzig? But he, he's not moving for two two years and three four months. Yeah, I was looking at that. I mean, what what? How does I don't understand how football works now? I've never. There's been times where two years ago I was a terrible football, and two years later I was good, and then the opposite way around. <laughs> I don't. Is that is he a star, Quinny? I know you. I know you. You've got him. Is that right? Have you super rare or he's rare? I've got his like one of a hundred first ever card, basically. Oh, brilliant! What? Yeah, uh, so I've, I'm all over him. I love it, man. Leipzig kind of supporter as well. So I think it's a great, but it is super weird. Eh? It was like contract commences 2024. Which is like you've never heard anything like it, have you? You know, it's, sometimes you get the whole buy them and loan them back, but that's what they say. They don't say, "Oh, we're contract commences." So, just before you you continue, how's that work with him in terms of salary? Then will will he get his salary until then, or will he still be on the wage? Because I wouldn't imagine he'd be on a massive wage at Genk right now. They're not even in the playoff one. They're not even in the top six in the Belgian league. So, surely he'll, he'll be. He'll be desperate unless he gets some part of the feet. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how football works because that's that's the first time I've ever seen something that far away. Yeah, yeah, it's I, mad, I, isn't it? Cause what what does that mean for his salary? Like what, like what incentives are there for Genk to like keep him playing? Like what there must be some kind of part of that contract that Genk has Genk an interest to keep him fit, keep him playing, keep like it's it's mad when you think about it. I had a feeling that it must have had something to do with financial stuff, and I started even thinking, is it maybe something to do with financial fair play? Like maybe are they like paying? Are they maybe paying the fee the now, but they're not? They don't want them for twenty twenty four, and they still want all that benefit of the loan back nonsense. Or 
I don't know, or maybe they're keeping the financial fair play money for 2024. They're not spending any money today. I thought that maybe there's an angle of that going on. Mm. But, um, but yeah, for, 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 for me, Martin, he'll definitely be wanting a sign-on bonus, Tony, won't he, for waiting two years. For instance, a top, top player nowadays could be on anything between 50 grand and 150 grand a week at that level. Genki's not on that, 100% not. He'll be on a, a fraction of that, so surely he'll be in his interest to go there in the summer now. Like, uh, maybe he thinks, right, okay, I'm definitely going to get it in the future, but just using my, my business head, if I was him, I'd be phoning up Leipzig and saying, look, you're giving me the contract now, or I'm coming now, or I'll go, because a, a lot of teams in the world want him, don't they? He's, he's the most highly thought, sought after player in so rare in terms of goalkeeper, no, in terms of age, in terms of mm. utility. If he was, if he was playing every week for a, I don't know, an Ajax, a final, he would be the most expensive goalkeeper in the game, no? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think it only makes his utility or his so rare perspective like even better because you know, or like, I know it's kind of hard to imagine like what is Genk's like motivation to keep him playing or whatever the now because of this contract nonsense or whatever, but. He will play for that. He should play for the next two years. He's probably the best keeper they've got. But I think oh, you you like his backup. Both of you like his backup. But just to finish on that, I think it must be part of the contract. He needs to play X amount of games. And yeah. Leipzig pays wages. If he doesn't play, Genk pay them. And if not, then they can maybe have a recall if he doesn't play, say, 75% of the, the games until January. It, yeah. There must be. There must be something like that, but sorry to interrupt you. You were just about to mention he's understudy, is it? Well, understudy, is he not older than him? Lyson, is he older, younger? He's got to be about the same age, right? Toby. Toby Lyson, or is he like 20 or something like that? About the same, like just a little bit older. He's still, I know he's still an under 23 on So Rare. Um, I can't remember his exact age, but I was looking at that. As soon as, the, as, soon as that was announced, I actually missed the fact that it was 2024. I looked at it and I thought he might be worth a pickup right now. And then I seen he was 2024. But then I thought about it and I thought, if you are Genk and you know you're selling your number one, but you've got this young kid waiting in the wings who, by all accounts, is is pretty good as well. What do you do with him for the next two years? Because if you need to play Vandervoort to keep him like you know on on the books at Leipzig, then what happens to Layson? Does he get? Do you think he gets a loan now, or he needs to for me? He... Surely, that's what I think, right? He's got to get first team um, experience. G- given it from a footballer's perspective, if I'm him, I know somebody's signed somewhere else and he's still playing ahead of me. I'm thinking, when does my contract run out? If it's 2024, I'm waiting and I'm signing for a bigger team because he's highly thought of. I'm sure Anderlecht, Bruges, all these teams would come unless the teams say, look. Go and get games. You're guaranteed to be our number one. But I'm sure license, beyond end of a license, isn't to play at Genk. He'll probably be looking at Van der Vaart and thinking, I can join him. I can go and play at a level like that. So why should I waste two years of my career? You know, yeah. understudy a guy who's not even contracted to us anymore. Yeah. What, yeah, what do you I, think, I, Quinny? Do you... Do you I think he gets alone. I think that, you know, that these teams, like, obviously you've been there firsthand, you know, but they love their youth academies, like, standing them up, you know, so having an hour goalkeeper come out of the academy that can replace him, they'd be mad not to put him out on loan and keep him sweet, you know, and then you just bring him back in, he's cost you nothing, and if he could be just as good or better, you let him go for big money, Van der Vert, and then you've got your replacement. 
stish as well. It's not as if he's learning from Simon Mignolet or or a massive experienced keeper. He's learning from a guy younger than him. Yes. So by not playing games, he's not learning the game side of things. So it's not as if he's training with a world like a Courtois, a mm. All Black, and he's thinking, right, I can take this, I can take this. Van der Voort's learning every day more than anybody. So I'm sure I'm sure he needs to go and play games and get put into the in the midst yeah. of the fire and see how he how he reacts. Definitely. And if 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 he's not like you said, like what what is he thinking? Because he's got two years to kind of prove himself to Genk that like he's ready to step up. So he can't do that if he's sat on the bench for two years waiting for Vandervoort to leave. So surely he goes on loan. Um definitely feel like he's going to be one of the main keepers to watch. Because if he does go out on loan that price, I think he's at a 0.2 or under at the moment on as a rare. And with also like, you know, like the news of come August, all of the, all, all players in the um, rare divisions are going to have to have a rare keeper. And he's a U23 utility as well. The price, that price at least triples for me. If he goes to a club that he's going to be number one, especially in the challenger, if he goes to like a Dutch club, or another Belgian side, um, or if he goes out on loan to the Championship or something like that, yeah, he his price triples for me straight do away. Th- on that note, do you think all rares goalkeepers already they're expensive compared to other cards? I know that. Do you think they go up and the floor becomes higher due to this common yeah. thing? I think so. I think so. I think at the minute we've got like that end of season dip happening, which is natural anyway. Um, we, like, I'm sure Quinny can um, agree that I saw. I remember seeing this last this time last year and being a little bit worried, and I'm seeing that worry seep into the community now. But this is like natural when players are coming to the end of their season. People start trying to like rotate into Europe, uh, rotate out of Europe into America and Asia. Um, so this is a good time, if any, to buy. But even better, knowing that we've got that change coming in August, and I do think that you know, like even as a even as a trading strategy. I can't see how goalkeeper prices where they're at now in Europe can go down from where they are as in, in the rare cards. If you've got a goalkeeper that's starting, I keep getting offers on um, my Aust- Austrian keeper, um, Koffler. He's he's, a, he's an older keeper. But I keep getting offers for like 0.1. I'm never selling him at 0.1. I think I paid 0.27 for him, which at the time I thought was cheap. And I, you know, I'd expect that to bounce back to that sort of level. Come the why is he so low? Just because Austria's got to close out? I think it's his age. Austria closing out, but also those those uh, offers are quite punty. Like I think yeah. his price is probably like his his true value in the market right now is probably like point one eight or point two. Um, mostly down to the fact he's old, um, and, and you know he's got that question mark over him whether or not he will be number one again next season, etc. But um, yeah, you know, like these offers that are coming in are definitely not good offers, like point one one, etc. Yeah, that's that's mad. I've got a goalkeeper at Shunin from Dynamo Moscow. And it's the same way I can feel when they sign a contract extension, they just go back up naturally. So these goalkeepers are really good to have because the utility on them for that price is incredible. But if the common cards go out, these are the goalkeepers that are going to go up more than anybody I think because these are the affordable ones so they, the half the players whoever are using it I who agree. are needing a common goalkeeper every week, then go for the cheapest goalkeepers so these are the ones that are going to rise 
for me, the biggest percentage. Because if somebody's at 0.15 just now and they've got a utility, I think they need to go to 0.34, uh, 0.3 or 0.4 because everybody needs a goalkeeper. And it now means, if there's, I don't know how many people playing in real, but if everybody needs it, if you looked at the percentage just now who use a common, that's gone. So it, It's going to make it a free-for-all. Obviously, the more cards that are coming out, the longer the game's going on. But there's more users coming in as well. I, I just think that's the that's where the money's to be made in terms yeah. of not for utility, but if somebody's investing, but also for utility, you're going to need a real goalkeeper. I, I've only just started having two goalkeepers this week in preparation for the fact that I can't use a common and try and grind ETH anymore. That's it. I think, you know, I remember when uh, the news came out, someone posted the stats up and it was like 70% of players in the All-Star have a common keeper. So, you know, it's common sense, surely, that if those people want to continue grinding ETH, they need the cheapest goalkeeper at the very least. Like you said, I think that floor price of the cheapest keepers, if they're starting, you can double it, definitely, for me. 100%. Did your man just go there, Quinny? No, I was uh, laughing at Stish's common sense pun that he made right after talking about common goalkeepers. Um, I like <laughs> um, Capture. I must be a wee step behind you. We were chatting strategy earlier on and like backup goalkeepers has probably been the, the most kind of like profitable passive strategy that I've done, you know, in terms of like a goalkeeper who you know is like a number two the now, but you know by all merit he will be a number one or he's end of contract, getting a loan next year, that kind of stuff. Um, and when you add that on top of like ones, that, even number ones that are underpriced as well, like I definitely, I, I personally like buying number twos, you know, so me here and like Stish reckons are, and you guys are talking about some of these keepers that are a bit cheaper than now. I think, I wonder how much some of these backups, I normally get quite excited about because a backup can be 0.08 and then end up at 0.4, you know. So Quinny, see on that subject, give me a underpriced number one in a underpriced backup in your eyes just off the bat it doesn't need to be priced but one that you think then i'll ask you after stish not i know uh, we're I not giving them the advice to who to sign but yeah, people yeah. want to know your kind of thoughts on it well i've got a goalkeeper that um i, I actually know I'll, I'll, I'll just make sure it's priced now but I, I think one goalkeeper that was underpriced especially when i just sold mine because i'm going to get a new season version with a nicer picture on it is uh, Jonathan Bond at the Galaxy? Uh, his prices kind of went back up. I sold him a wee bit less. Than I looked at him. He got a clean sheet. No, he didn't get a clean sheet at the weekend, but he got a good score. Yeah, 54. I'm just looking at the now. Um, yeah, without a, clean, without a decisive, it's not too bad. But uh, another goalkeeper. Yeah, so I, I like Bond. I think actually the Galaxy will have a really good season. But uh, I've got a guy who's got a limited supply called Axel Werner. He was an Elche goalkeeper. He's only actually got 10 rares. Uh, but he moved to Arsenal in Argentina. Might be a loan. Or, no, I think it might be a free. I, I don't know. But he's moved to Arsenal in Argentina. He was a number two at Elche. I tried to get him as a number two. And I was like, he's only got 10 rare. So there wasn't many auctions. But I was trying to be a right tight bugger with it. And like, oh no, that auction went a wee bit high. I'll wait for the next one. And then I forgot about him. And then I realised they transferred. I had to buy one off the secondary market for like, I think it was about a quarter of a coin or something like that. But I am. Um, right. But again, just get, like Axel Werner when he was when he was a number two, like he used to be a number two at Atletico Madrid. I think he's got a few Argentina caps, like two or three, nothing huge. Um, so it's like I like you know, there's little backups like that that knock about quietly that no, you don't really see. Um, you can make 
Yeah, once I have some sort of profile already. I remember last year Odysseus was a big one. He played for Benfica last night in the Champions League. But last year he fell out with the manager. Like they had a fight or something, and he was number two in Leite. I shall remember this. He was like the thirty-six year old. He was the number one for a while. And I bought an Odysseus, and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to him, but he doesn't stay on the bench for another year, you know. And you just, you know, so I try and make. He's an expensive keeper now. He's he's around about Anith. I think he's maybe dropped. Maybe point eight because I had him for my Benfica team and I was struggling to sell him. Nah, he's a good one, but again, like those number two is like to have a kind of profile. Like, um, I've not got any off the top of my head. Sorry, Tony, because I've not been digging into them. But I no, like no, Axel Werner. You... I paid point three nine for mine, and there's actually two on the market. One's at point three, and one's at point five. So if you're listening to this, then you know, the good thing I like about that Axel Werner is his L15 is always under forty. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's not I great hope, <laughs> I hope he gives a move to a better team then I oh, think no. um, my favourite undervalued keeper that I've got and I always shill him to all my friends that are like what keeper should I buy is uh, is Sergino in um, in Considor because he's like 38 years old so he's super cheap he's like 0.28 but he started every game I've watched since I think I, I bought him and he only missed one game recently and I was looking at um looking at I think it's Nakano is like the backup there he's young and he was expected by a lot of the sort of like Japanese so rare community last year to take over from Sugino this season so I I think I picked a limited of his up um at one point just in case the switch happened over the pre-season um and then the season started and Sugino's back in again but recently uh he had covid so everyone's expecting um, the number two to step in, and he didn't. Another old goalkeeper came in, and the youngster stayed on the bench. So that, for me, cemented Sergino's place even more because the one goalkeeper that's young that everyone's waiting to step into his shoes stayed on the bench even when Sergino had COVID and was out for a week, and he slept straight back in the week later. So I've just had a look at his price, and he's on the market at 0.28. Um, he's, he looks solid, obviously, um, in Japan. He's got an L40 of 48, an L15 of 52. Um, he's good. He puts up good scores. I've watched him a few times as well, and he is a good goalkeeper. He gets quite a lot of uh, sweeper-keeper points because they pass mm-hmm. it back to him quite a bit. So his all-around for a goalkeeper is quite useful. At point two eight, considering you've got that off-season utility there, Sugino is someone that... Um, that I think is a great keeper to have. I've got his super and he's he's brilliant. He puts up big scores quite often. And, you know, he's one of those keepers, if he keeps a clean sheet, he's a 70 plus um, because he's all around so good. Um, in terms of the number two, I think there's there's a, a couple of keepers that I've been looking at that like in the, this isn't even a number two, but Matthias Liss, who plays at Altai in um in the Turkish league, I think they're looking like they're going to go down. So his price is that's priced in at the moment, but I've been reading up reports. What, like he, he was putting up some pretty decent scores a few weeks back. I was looking at him, give, try and give my brother some, some advice on like who he might like buy. He's looking at trying to get a rare, his first rare keeper. And I was looking at his stats, but then I was looking at, you know, they look like they might go down, but I was doing a little Google search on him and I'm seeing that like apparently Fenerbahce and Galatasaray are both looking at him for next season. So if they do go down, he might, he might not be a bad pickup now, but a risk, a potentially risky one. Cause he is a number one. Um, 
I might be wrong, but I think he might be in the Polish setup as well. So he might be like in amongst the keepers for the World Cup. Um, but, you know, statistically, he looks really good. Um, he, he makes a lot of big saves. So if that, he does go down, he might be worth a pick up. Even that, if his plane just now goes down, his price drops, and he gets a move even to be number two, you can sell him for profit now because people always have that shadow of is he going as a number two or is he going as a number one? Mm. Plus, he's moved to a better club. Obviously, there's good. a window of opportunity there. He definitely looks good. Another one I'm holding, who I've had for a while, is um, is Etienne Green at um, Saint Etienne. Obviously, he's uh, 20 years old, England under 21 goalkeeper. Um, he's kind of like found himself out of um, the pecking peck order a little bit at Saint Etienne, but I think that's mostly down to um, he picked up an injury at a time where they really needed to start picking up points. So they brought in Bernardoni on loan. Um, and he's like the number one at St Etienne now while they're in this like relegation dogfight. I guess like having that little bit of extra experience is where like the managers like put his faith into Bernardoni as the number one, but he's on loan. And um, the manager said in like interviews that he fully expects Etienne Green to be back as number one next season when Bernardoni returns from his loan. Um, but there's also a load of interest from Premier League clubs because of the England under-21 connection, obviously. Um, and yeah, I think like Newcastle, Southampton, Palace and Brentford are all linked to him. Um, I'd I'd be a bit gutted if he moved to one of them as a holder. But I'd like, you know, maybe I think he probably does start at Newcastle and probably at Southampton and Brentford. Maybe not so much at Palace. Um, I think Gaeta probably gets in ahead of him. But if any of those clubs do pick him up, I'd expect him to go out on loan at his age to a championship club, probably. Um, and that would be great. I'd love to see him at a strong championship club, you know, nail down that number one for a, a great for season. Utility. Be great. You know, I think he's 20 years old. England under 21 international, currently the number two. His value at the minute is is much lower than it was when I picked him up. But I, I, fully, I fully expect him to be, you know, back in the number one definitely before he turns over 23. I think he's still got some U23 utility at some point. Yeah, no, sounds brilliant. He, uh, I didn't know much about him, but while you were talking there, I just looked at his Sorel data and his price is high for a reason. So obviously it aligns with the manager saying he'll be back in next year. Yeah. But no, we've spoken enough about goalkeepers, right? Now it's time for somebody who embarrasses goalkeepers. <laughs> Robert Lewandowski, what are we saying? Robert Lewandowski to Barca. Quinny, what are you saying? If, are you buying his rail and he's limited if he goes there? Because the way Xavi ball is, he could get 100 goals in a season. Easy, man. I don't know. I, I think it'll happen. It went really... Uh, it was the big news for about a day or so there, but I think since Bayern got knocked out of the Champions League, they've probably told him not to be going into the press and doing, you know, Barca quotes and all that now, you know. But I think it'll be absolutely incredible. Like, at, you know... How does he not do the sort of numbers that Messi and Ronaldo used to do in La Liga? That's what I think. You know, 50 goals a season in the league, you know. It has, it has to be because the way he's playing just now for Bayern, the way he's smashing goals in and the way Barca are playing, obviously taking away the last couple of weeks, he's been a bit quiet. But this season, last season, and the way Barca are now playing under Xavi, I don't understand how him, Dembele and Ferran Torres or him, Aubameyang and Dembele don't put up numbers close to what Messi, Neymar and Suarez were putting because it's there to be had. Barca are only going to get better with the age. 
and him teaching Ferran, Aubameyang, Usman, all these players, his little tips and tricks, it can only go one way for Barca for me and that's a very, very, very positive move for them. The only problem would be financial, but I think if he was money driven he would have went to PSG or something, so I think probably down more to the sporting objective. I know he will be highly paid and it sounds as if I'm talking about every footballer's wages in this podcast, but it's I think a lot of his will be driven by Barca. He wants to play for Barca, Spain, him, his family. I, I think they can win the Champions League next year and I think if he goes there, my, my money, not that I'm a betting man, that's just the expression, would firmly be on them winning the Champions League. I, I do think so. What what do you think, Stish? What what about that move? Is that a match made in heaven or is that a... I, I agree. I think um, I think the the setup in La Liga suits him, the suits his style of play. Like you said, Xavi Ball, He's going to get so many opportunities. Um, you probably put him on pens as well, wouldn't you? Like at the moment, he's going to get so many opportunities to score there. Um, and it's mad. I was thinking about it because of his age as well. And I think that like this era of footballers is different from what we've seen. You know, like we used to talk about footballers getting over the age of thirty-two, and it's like, oh, they're on their way out. They've got one big move left, or whatever. But in this generation, we've got like your Messi's, Ronaldo's, Lewandowski. We've already seen it with Ibrahimovic. When do these players slow down? And the kind of striker that he is, he, you know, he doesn't rely on his pace too much. His, his positioning, his shooting ability, I just he's got he's still got plenty of seasons in him. These are finely tuned athletes. Exactly. They, they look after themselves. They're not like footballers of the old days. No. And yeah, I. I can't see him slowing down at Barca. If he goes there, um, be interesting to see what happens to like Memphis and a few of those kind of players that are maybe like on the sidelines a bit more than they'd like to be at Barca because he'll fall down the pecking order a bit more, I think. And I wouldn't be surprised if like we see Memphis come the other way as part of that I, deal. I think Memphis would be unbelievable business for Barca because he's came in for free, scored goals, they've reduced his salary straight away yeah. and then... They'll sell him for twenty five million because somebody's going to pay that. He's a he's a star player. He's still yeah. a, a he would go to Ajax and score every week. He would go to Newcastle play every week. He would yeah. probably a Tottenham's and stuff would be be linked with him and Arsenal's these kind of teams because he is he got a move to Barcelona. So you're talking he's the upper echelon. He's the he's the kind of player that most clubs would would want. But unfortunately. Barca in a different direction and they need stars right now. Memphis is probably just a little bit away from that. I don't know if you agree with me, Quinny, but he's he's probably, for me, an Arsenal-Tottenham kind of star player rather than a Chelsea Man U. If that makes, does that make sense? Aye. I'd love to see him go to Bayern. As part of, somehow, I think he'd slot in at Bayern, all right. Um, but if he was going to England, like, aye, completely. I don't think he's like... Yeah, he's definitely like the tear down. He's never going to be in the Ronaldo, Messi, Suarez category, you know. But he's a, he's a, he's good man. You know, I really like him. And I think for a, a big thing that gets missed with all this Barca transfer chat is Barca still own Griezmann. <laughs> Everyone keeps forgetting about Griezmann. I do all the time as well, you know. But he was I good last that. night. I forgot that. <laughs> what happens to Griezmann? He's better go back there in the summer. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think they'll get a bit of money for him. I think somebody. 
some Newcastle, for instance, would go right. There's forty million for Griezmann mm. just to pay a premium over the header. But I'd love to see Griezmann at like an Arsenal or something. But I shame. think I think he probably he would rather go in into Milan and AC Milan or and go and get yeah. the lifestyle. But I'd love to see Griezmann under Arteta. Griezmann's openly said he'll go to like Vegas and play football. If you're <laughs> <laughs> he's right, if he's loves he's America and that. He loves basketball, I, he? I've seen that, to be fair. I've seen he's into his NBA, but that'd be brilliant. I would. I think he would need to pick up a few Griezmann cards soon if he's going to America because he oh. he could turn into Lewandowski over there. Because yeah, he, he's the sort of guy that would just do that. Kind of like Beckham, like, I don't care. I'm going to go. I want to do it. That's what I'm doing. You I'm know, sure. I've, I've, I've definitely read an interview where he said like he 100% wants to play in the MLS, whether or not it's too early for him. But he he's said it openly in interviews that he wants to play in the MLS during like his career. So whether that's think, now, I don't know. But. You think he'll maybe wait one more Euro cycle? He's yeah, won the World maybe. Cup, he'll maybe give the World Cup one more crack. Wait one more Euro cycle, so that's maybe 18 months, is it? Yeah. After the World Cup. And yeah. then maybe after that, I think that's him. And again, similar to Lewandowski in terms of a player that doesn't rely on his pace, he could be a... He could be a pickup for anybody to use for the next five years because Definitely. in America he's he's going to grind and there's so many players in senior. I, I think America, the utility in America could be amazing due to the fact that you're going to get so many star players going that the longer the it goes, the longer it grows, you'll get you get a lot a lot of players. I see Balotti's linked with the same team that Insignia's going to. It's Crazy. I think it's just going to end up. Obviously, you boys love Asia. I've not, I've not really got the time to watch Asia because how early it is in the morning, etc. But I, I think America would be the one I'd be looking at and saying, right, these people are going to get sucked in by the money, the lifestyle, rather than going to Asia. And, do you know what I mean? I think I, it'd be a lot difficult, a lot more difficult for these star players to go there. Yeah. I was listening to a K-League podcast today, funnily enough, and they were interviewing a lot of the players out there. Um, it's like an English-speaking podcast. And uh, they were interviewing a few of the players from like Eastern Europe that have gone to play out there. And they all kind of like get together and have a coffee in the cities that they're playing in and that. And uh, yeah, I think it sounds like a bit of a niche lifestyle, but I guess it's like a completely different pace of life going to play in like Korea as opposed to going to the MLS where, you know, the lifestyle in America is very similar to a lot of like major European cities, whereas going to like uh, somewhere like uh, Jeonbuk or uh, like Jeju in yeah. Jeju is like a little island in um, it's got, it looks beautiful actually in Korea, but uh, yeah, I mean the lifestyle completely different. Some players just love being like in the city, in the hustle and bustle, and I think you still get that in America if you want it, whereas. You go to most parts in Asia, you can walk down the street, no one recognises you, no one bothers you, unless you're like Iniesta. someone like David Beckham or Ronaldo or, you know, like if, no, if you're if you're in senior or someone like that, I don't think, you know, you're getting noticed as much if you went I've to Asia. I've heard the boys, I've heard the boys going to be, I heard one back in the day, I can't remember, I can't say the player, I don't know who it was, but get linked when I moved to Swansea. Boy said, I'm not going anywhere other than London. <laughs> um, boy said, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere other than London and it makes sense. Do you really want to go and if you're a multi-millionaire, do you really want to go and 
Yeah. Go and live in a place that you don't enjoy just for a bit of money, but they've already got stacks of. Exactly. Why, yeah. Why I would? Think, yeah, you know, probably better than than any. Like, is it is it as like like a lot of people say? You know, like the classic footballers. Uh, you know, like want a big night out. They want to be amongst it. They want you know, like. No, I I think the big thing would be for kids getting good schools. Yeah. Going out with their wife to get good meals. That all that stuff's important. English speaking schools for a lot of people would be massive and I think I think see countries like Dubai and Qatar. Yeah. They'd probably I think they offered to build Xavi or Pirlo a school for their kids. So Wow. I'm sure I, I don't know if that's just somebody's made that up and have when he's back. And, I mean that's uh, amazing if that is true. And so these countries but there's only so many players these people sign. So I think MLS is really one Ronaldo could end up there. Zlatan's yeah. been already. Messi could end up there. I'm sure Neymar could end up there, if not Brazil. So I think MLS could be really, really one of the leagues that that could end up flying, if if not being one of the top leagues. Because for some reason it's not already. But if you can get these star players there, I think it could take off massively. I think that's like the dream move in it. If you've got like a 32, 33 year old player who's like banging good scores for you now in Europe, and the news comes out that they're moving to the MLS, you'd be well happy with that, wouldn't you? As a card Insigne, holder. Yeah, and is probably the the best example. He's flying for Napoli, but his price probably rockets when he goes there and scores a goal or two because yeah, potentially could be the best player in the league. Whereas at Napoli, he's probably more one decisive one week, then misses one or two, and then gets a couple. There, he could get a decisive every week and. And literally not give the ball away. He could be yeah. a kind of player he is as well. He's like he's like he's like a, a, a classic number ten, isn't he? He gets goals, but he he gets on the ball so much and his uh, his build up plays great. Like he's gonna get so many assists as much, as many as he will get goals. And big chances all around created and, over there. Yeah, no definitely. And just just to finish us off, a couple of points added in here. There's no Belgium. Ajax aren't playing. Yep. I don't know if the Eredivisie is that all off or is it just Ajax that aren't playing? There's one fixture, but it's like down the bottom end of the league, so it's not like anyone we need to worry about. So we're talking Bruges, Anderlecht, etc. aren't playing, Ajax aren't playing, Sporting Lisbon v Benfica means yep. one of these stacks isn't going to, well, they could, but one of these stacks isn't going to dominate, I'd imagine. There's also Dynamo Moscow have got an easier fixture against Akmat. Zenit v Ural, Galatasaray have got an easier fixture, and so Fernabachi. Do you think this is a week that stacks smash it out of the water, or do you think this is a week where mixed teams really, really do well? I think, I think Challenger is like very appealing this weekend because of it. Um, I've just had a little look to remind myself actually, because I was I looked at some of the Russian, I think like Dynamo Moscow. Um, CSK Moscow have got good fixtures, but I've just had a little look. Another team that I forgot about is uh, is Porto, and they've actually got a pretty good fixture this weekend. So I think you know Porto's another side that you do see stacks. So I think we might see Porto stacks near the top, but other than that, um, unless you're holding a Porto stack, I don't think there's too many of like the obvious stacks out there that are going to absolutely smash it this weekend in Challenger. So. I think if you've got a good five challenger players, 
you've got to be looking at that as a potential um, place to put your best players this weekend, I reckon. No, I... Probably because I don't play challenger, but when I hear that, I just think under 23s feels a lot better this week because there's not that many goalkeepers anyway. Like Tani can't play because he's playing Gamba. Safanov is out with COVID. And then when you throw all that stuff into the mix, because a lot of great U23 players are also challenger cards, you know. Did you just say you don't play challenger? I see you putting up Jota, Giacomakis. Yeah, All-Star in U23. What? All-Stars in U23. But the amount of rewards you could win off challenger would be, but I suppose the rewards aren't as good as under-23s and all-stars, but you took potential of winning that league every week with the schools. You Every time I see you, Hatati, <laughs> you, your team's a Celtic stack. Your team's Aye, got lots of them. <laughs> really <laughs> would blow the blow the competition out of the water. And I think all-stars better for those cards, but... I will, obviously, you're, the, you're obviously more experienced than us, so it's not... I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what... It's actually interesting for me to hear because... Sometimes I do have maybe one team left and it's between Challenger and All-Star and I kind of think, what, what am I going? And last week, to be fair, I put it in Challenger. My CSK keeper conceded four. My defender made an error leading to goal. My centre mid never started, the Kettler. Tadic got 125 points as captain. <laughs> And Noah Lang got an all-rounder like 30-something, so he ended up with 70. So, if that's not a mixed fortune, then what is? But, like you said, maybe I would have been better just going into, uh, into All-Star. And I, think interesting. The, I think the price pools are just much fairer in, in All-Star. You know, if you get a top-end Tier 1 in All-Star, like it might be Asian, it might be this, it might be that, but it will be a top-end Tier 1. Whereas if sometimes you get a top-end Tier 1 challenger, it might, mm. in the grand scheme of things, might be quite crap. And maybe it's a tier two in global, but because you're in challenge, it's a tier one because it's a, a region rather than the, the whole shebang. Funny you said that because I, I, I put my team into All-Star. One, one time it was All-Star and I got 350 points and I went and looked at America. It was an Atlas stack. And if I put it in America, I was getting a tier two high. But because I was an All-Star, I got a tier three. So does that just for everybody listening, does that depend on the weekend? For instance, see if you hit 350 one week in All-Star, it would be a, a Tier 3, but in America it would be a Tier 1. Could the opposite effect happen? Is it just depending on people's scores, or do you think it averages itself out and the rewards are similar? I think all the regions are a little bit different, right? So, like, Champion is like, you know, the, the high rollers table, it's all the big expensive teams and Bayern stacks and whatever. But see Challenger, see people who are really good at Challenger, in my experience, is either people on a low budget who are like laser focused on fixtures and who's rotating in and getting bargains. Oh, this guy's only 40 quid and he does this and whatever. Or it's guys like Stish and all the other people I talk to on Twitter that stack Zenit, stack Salzburg, stack Ajax, stack Porto. <laughs> mix them up do this chop them into pieces and do that so if i look at people who are like super motivated to like underdog it and grind it out and then you've got people who have just got big power stacks so for me challenger like as a region or all the regions have little things like that going on in my opinion but for me challenger is just like it's, i see it as more competitive than champion euro that's why i'd never play any cards there it is really competitive like you said i think like i i don't i don't actually like i always look at like where the stacks are coming but I don't really own any stacks. So like my, like I, I, I kind of look at fixtures maybe in the regions. A lot of my cards are under 23 challenger cards. So I can always kind of like look at one or the other. And this week 
I think like looking at the fixtures, you know a lot of cards are going to be out of the pool in Challenger. But you said that there's always that. It's also taking them out of U23. And when you look at like no Ajax, no PSV, no, uh, you know, like Sporting and, and Benfica having a really tough uh, game where maybe the a lot of the U23s sit on the bench, especially after Benfica banging three goals in in the week against Liverpool. You know, like there's going to be rotation in that game as well. Um, probably not a lot because of their opposition. But again, you know, it's there's so much to think about. I did have a little look. I think I know like Tony was saying last week about looking at the percentage of cards available versus the amount of entries. And I looked at that uh, last night and Challenger um, Pro and Challenger Rare look really appealing. And also the, the prize pools in terms of the players available. If you look at the top tier, like tier ones, tier twos, the top of those lists in U23 this week, none of the like really good players in those pools are there. Whereas they are in Challenger, which is again, like beyond even looking at the amount of cards, the quality that's available in that Challenger pool has me looking at like leaning some of my better cards or the cards I think might score better into the Challenger Pro and Rare Divisions this weekend versus what I use usually U23 is like my go-to. That's where I put my best teams. Um, but I think also like for me, a lot of my supers are not playing because they are Belgian and they're a Divisie card. So mm-hmm. Like my spread of availability on what supers I have. I've got Eric Martel who flopped for me last weekend. I was gutted. I needed a big score from him and he hit a 38. In like that last game, I was like 400 plus with a game to play and he hit a 38 as my captain. I was gutted. But I still managed to, to uh, land in the cards there. So that was good. But um, So I've got him this weekend. I think Daviv. I'm seeing Daviv is... Uh, potentially available this weekend. So I might even squeeze him into one of my better sides because if he plays, he scores pretty well. Um, So fingers crossed. I think I'm going to keep an eye on the news right up to tomorrow morning and just hope that I can see something that gives me a bit more of an indication he will play. But come back Tuesday. because we are chat. Yeah, we're seeing like Tuesday last, last week, the manager said that he should be available on the weekend. So... As far back as Tuesday, I'd imagine, you know, with a few days to play, you'd like to think he's, you know, he's got some good training in this week and hopefully he's fit. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I might I might be looking at Challenger Pro, Challenger Rare as like my two main, um, the main points of play. And then uh, because of like the lack of maybe U23, like really strong options, I might even be, might even target All-Star a bit more this weekend and see how we get on there. Makes a lot of sense. No, makes a lot of sense. Anything else, boys? Any predictions? He's going to win. What are we finishing the positive energy on? Are we going to win cards this week? Because I'm, I believe I'm going to win, and I've not even looked at my team lines yet. Manifesting it early, yeah. I'm putting it into the atmosphere. I'm putting <laughs> it out there. You're getting a tier. You're getting a tier zero. You're getting a podium. I'll take a tier two. I'm always anything over tier two. <laughs> well happy with that. You're well happy with that. Right, to know another another good podcast lads and thanks for having me obviously and we'll do it again this time next week yeah good Buzz luck all pleasure pleasure boys <laughs>